Sawbones is a show about medical history, and nothing the hosts say should be taken as medical advice or opinion. It's for fun. Can't you just have fun for an hour and not try to diagnose your mystery boil? We think you've earned it. Just sit back, relax, and enjoy a moment of distraction from that weird growth. You're worth it. All right. Tommy is about to books. One, two, one, two, three, four. Welcome to Sawbones, a marital tour of misguided medicine. I'm your co-host, Justin Tyler McElroy. And I'm Sydney Smurl McElroy. It's fine. How many people wish that we were doing an episode about practical hangover cures? <laughs> That was a trick. I'm a narc. You're all going to jail. <laughs> I know. Thank you all for coming at 10 a.m. on Sunday. I appreciate it. We fully rolled up so late <laughs> that we were walking with people that were coming to the show that were kind of looking at us like, well, wait a minute. <laughs> Hold on. <laughs> we are not hungover, though, so full disclosure. I mean, I'm not. If you average us out... <laughs> And round down. <laughs> um, I count as one and a half now, though, so. <laughs> one and three quarters. Sydney's got one of those aliens from Alien inside of her. <laughs> Basically. <laughs> um, so, in a way, Sid, though, we are kind of talking about a hangover cure of a sort, mm -hmm. if you think about it. That, that's very true. Whenever we do live shows, we try to connect them to the place we are, something that's relevant to the area, and it's 10 a.m., and many of you may be hungover, so what better topic to talk about in Seattle than coffee? Frasier. <laughs> Frasier. When I'm hungover, I like to wake up, and maybe I hear the blues are calling, and I start Please. <laughs> Go, go ahead. Melting away. Can you, can you theorize on the medical applications of Frasier throughout history, please? You learn a lot about <laughs> psychiatry mm -hmm. because he's a psychiatrist. He and Niles both. And John Mulaney <laughs> is not on that show. John Mulaney's the other guy. John Mahoney. Uh, thank you, John. John, if you're here, so sorry. <laughs> Um, okay, coffee instead. Yeah, we'll talk okay. about coffee. That's fine. That's fine. It's wild that we haven't done coffee before. I know. I thought it was strange, too. That's what we, I was trying to think. What, what could I do, Seattle? Coffee? I've done that before. We haven't. And coffee, you may not know, has a long medical history as well as, like, we like to drink it. Um, I feel really bad, though. I am, and I mean, it's very clear. I am drinking tea as I'm talking about coffee. <laughs> so I, I don't know if I have to apologize. I'm sorry. No. Tea's fine. I can only, I can only have 200 milligrams of, milligrams of caffeine a day right now, guys, so, you know. You're fine. <laughs> You're fine. Okay. So, thank you. <laughs> so, coffee probably started out in Ethiopia as far back as 1,000 as CE, so a long time ago. Maybe even predates that. And there's a legend as to how we kind of discovered coffee. And it's one of those that is repeated a lot, but, but it is a legend. Nobody's really sure that it's true. I've, so I've heard this actually uh, before, Sid, <laughs> if I could step in. Someone checked Please, in to a motel room and they looked over and plugged into the outlet was this small machine. <laughs> and they were like, um, Becky, what is the story with this? And there were little toilet paper wrapped around dirt, seemed to be to them, is what they thought. And uh, there was little pink and white and yellow packets. Like, I don't, honestly, Becky, I do not get any of this, what is happening over here. And then eventually, a few years later, after plenty of trial and error with the machine, putting the dirt basically everywhere, 
eventually they figured out how to make coffee. So that was the first. So thank Becky for coffee. Thank Becky for coffee. <laughs> the, no, the legend is that uh, there was a goat herder who noticed that his goats were eating these red berries off this plant, and then they were dancing. <laughs> and they seemed really happy. And he thought, hmm, well, I should check those out because my goats seemed to like it. And so he also tried them and he felt very energized and felt great. And he took him back to the village and was like, everybody's got to try these berries. They made me feel great. And everybody enjoyed them, especially the monks found that they could finally stay awake during prayer. That guy must have been the, ha think about it. He was the only person on the planet on coffee, which is already like so next level. And he started his morning watching Happy Dancing Goats. Like, that dude, you do not step to him. I, and I should say, as I mentioned, this is a legend. I, I cannot verify that it's true. And it is incredibly similar to the story of how we discovered horny goat weed. You can, you know, exchange the details as needed. All, all history is legend with varying degrees of documentation. Whoa. <laughs> Think about it. Question everything. <laughs> I, th I thought you were Think about how far away the moon is. Do we have 15 minutes? Hold on. <laughs> As you can see, in 1963. <laughs> <laughs> I thought you were just going to make a joke about goats. I don't know where that was going. <laughs> Sorry. So <laughs> Goats went to the moon, I guess. <laughs> Uh, no, I, the truth is totally discoverable. I just not right now in this case, maybe. So the, the Ethiopian Gala tribe would grind up coffee beans and mix them with animal fat once they started using them and they, and they liked them. They would grind them up, mix them with animal fat, and then that would be like an energy snack. You know, fat and coffee. <laughs> it's kind of like the butter coffee, right? Like the yeah. same, same idea. Sure. Bulletproof, they call it. Uh, <laughs> yeah, exactly. A little bit of coffee. Uh, Arab traders brought it back to Yemen along the Red Sea in 1100, and it began to grow there and then just kind of spread throughout that area. And they started, that was when we start to see, like, taking the beans and instead of just, like, grinding them up and, and eating them or chewing on them, you start to see them boiling them and drinking the beverage. So the beginnings of coffee. And it was called kawa, which means energizing or stimulating. So because, you know, it was. The idea of actually roasting them and then grinding them up before brewing it is still really old. It dates back to the 1200s. So we figured that out a really long time ago. And it was often given specifically, it was like this, it was like this marital duty of a husband kind of, that you should be able to prepare the beans and then make coffee and give it to your wife when she was on her period. <laughs> so... <laughs> It was supposed to ease menstrual discomfort, so anybody with a period could find, could find relief from it, but specifically it was like this, this very like, and then I don't know if it's part of your vows, <laughs> and I, I promise that when you're on your period. <laughs> I will make the coffee. I will make the coffee and give it to you. Um, and it was like, I mean, that, that would be grounds for, I guess, leaving your spouse. <laughs> Damn. If they didn't provide you with adequate coffee. Dang it. That's, that's a lot. <laughs> you said, like, love. That's like, <laughs> that's like lady from HR Mousepad level of loving coffee, right? Don't even talk to me until I've had. It really makes you question the decision to make me tea this morning. I did. I asked you what you wanted. <laughs> Hater. Sheesh. You've really changed. In, in addition... <laughs> If that wasn't if that wasn't incentive enough to make coffee, it was also thought to be an aphrodisiac. So, so it was popularly. <laughs> Ooh, coffee! So it was traded throughout Egypt and Turkey and North Africa. It was highly prized. It was used as currency in some situations. It was very valuable. I mean, everybody was discovered. Imagine that as as everyone tries coffee for the first time. I wish I could go back to that moment, what it's like to try coffee for the first time. Um, and the first coffee shop actually opened all the way back in 1475 in Constantinople. It was called Kiva Han. It, so what was it called? Kiva Han. Okay. 
I thought, I was hoping it'd be Starbucks. <laughs> you thought what? I was just hoping it would be Starbucks. Not like the same <laughs> one, but it'd be so funny. Wouldn't that have been funny? Are you even sound? I would have settled for sounded like Starbucks. Yeah, well, we'll get them next time. Uh, it, was, it was very tightly regulated as to where it was grown and if you could take the plant or cuttings from the plants out, outside of kind of this region of the world because they were growing it and selling it and setting the price pretty high for it. It was very valuable. So the last thing you wanted was, you know, somebody smuggling it out somewhere else so that they could grow it and then they wouldn't have to buy it from you. But of course, that's exactly what happened in the 17th century. And that's when we see coffee spread to India. And this is one of the first times where you start to see this. It was already kind of, as I mentioned, being used somewhat medicinally. The stimulant thing is obvious. I mean, it's got caffeine. But they, it was also being used for menstrual disorders and such, and such. But at this point, you see that in traditional Indian medicine or Ayurvedic medicine, it expands to all kinds of different illnesses. Um, so uh, asthma and a lot of respiratory diseases, coffee was very popularly used for that. Um, specific things like whooping cough or uh, the DTs. <laughs> so if you're withdrawing from alcohol, maybe you just need some coffee. Um, some fake things like hysterical affections. It's like hysteria. It's not a real thing. That's not a... Um, palpitations, like when you can feel your heart beating really fast, that's probably not a good... Not a good moment for coffee. Of coffee. Um, cholera and diarrhea in general. Diarrhea, eh? Uh-huh. Mmm. Should be quite the afternoon. Yeah. <laughs> Which is, that's always one of those things where I read that, and I, this, is, this is not just in traditional Indian medicine, I'll, I'll mention this is using coffee for diarrhea was actually not uncommon. And I feel like the first time you tried it, you would go, well, no, that didn't no, work. No, absolutely not. <laughs> go figure. Um, it was used as a diuretic, which it is somewhat, you know, it will make you pee. Um, and specifically in something called dropsy, which could have meant, uh, throughout history, dropsy could mean different afflictions, but largely we're probably talking about some sort of heart failure or heart disease. So if we're talking specifically about heart failure where you accumulate too much fluid and it's a diuretic, that actually isn't, isn't too far off. All right, coffee, good job. Um, and it was considered that if, if there was an outbreak of, of malaria in your region that you could drink a cup of coffee and it would protect you. Oh, well, that's good. That should, that's no. malaria sorted. Uh, and uh, it was also prescribed for migraines. You didn't and classify. Fevers. I'm just spreading misinformation. Did, uh, does that not protect you from malaria, Sid? No, it doesn't. Okay, good. I just uh, did I need to, to clarify? Of... No, it doesn't. <laughs> no. No, I mean, drink coffee. It's, it's fine, but it, no. Quinine. Uh, what you need. Hey, look at you. It's from uh, that Elizabeth Gilbert book. Mm-hmm. Signature of all things. Not from the episode that we did on malaria. It, if I remember, that episode was based loosely on the book Signature of All Things by Elizabeth Gilbert. It was sort of an adaptation. Hmm. No. 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 No, yeah, yeah, yeah. It was. No, yeah. it was kind of based on like historical fact and medical fact. A novel signature. Like a lot of research that I did. Historic. I mean, I love that book too. She did research too. Well, no, I'm sure she did. I know she did. Yeah. It's a great book. You checked out Eat, Pray, Love though. <laughs> so, <laughs> as the use of coffee continued to spread, it was also the stimulant property of it made it highly associated with kind of intellectuals and enhancing your intelligence in general and, and making you quick-witted. And so it became known as the milk of chess players and thinkers. <laughs> it's weird to separate those into two groups. <laughs> um, coffee houses were sometimes called penny universities because you could go to a coffee house and pay a penny for a cup of coffee, and then you would be a better thinker and more quick-witted because you drank coffee. So I, I thought like it's university. because I've never been to a coffee shop where I haven't heard someone loudly expounding on something they learned in college recently. <laughs> <laughs> you just kind of get that second-hand education. I think, I think that still holds true because there are many times where we will go to, like, the coffee shop in town. It's Starbucks. We'll go to Starbucks. Have you heard of it? <laughs> I don't know why I'm, like, hiding the, the Starbucks. Some say this is the first one ever. 
not Nonington. Um, we got the last one, actually. Yeah, the last Starbucks open there. We got, like, the first one in West Virginia. That's but, true. But it was the last one. But we, if you go there, it's still filled with, like, you can't find anywhere to sit because of all the college students and the med students. Just doing I teach their them so I can be mad at them and say, could you leave? <laughs> I just want to sit down. Um, so... From, with all these coffee houses, it was, it was spread. Everybody was, it was a place to like gather and think and talk and debate and drink coffee. And it spread to India and Germany and France and the UK. And eventually it gets to North America in the 1600s. Um, and as it, as it spreads, I should note, everybody's kind of putting their own spin on it as far as how they prepare the coffee, which really doesn't matter from a medicinal standpoint, but that's why you get kind of different regional ways to prepare and brew coffee and that kind of thing. Um, in the U.S., part of the reason coffee like really caught on, because everybody was drinking tea when coffee got here, uh, was, was a patriotic duty. We're not going to drink tea anymore because we threw it in the harbor and we're mad. And we lost all of it. We don't have any anymore. <laughs> Does anybody have any good ideas? <laughs> so instead, we all started drinking coffee. And there you go. The medicines, the medicines that escalate macabre for the mouth. We have just started rehearsing for the summer theater. That's right. Summer starts in March around these parts. And that means we don't have much time at all in the evenings to make dinner. But we will not be just consuming Wendy's, uh, although there will be some Wendy's consumed. But we are going to have a little extra help with Factor, which delivers ready-to-eat, delicious meals right to your door. And not like junky stuff you get out of the freezer aisle, whatever. This is real, high-quality, chef-crafted stuff that in two minutes you're ready to eat it. I'm talking about some Southwestern-style turkey and mac. I think this week I'm going to be enjoying a shredded chicken taco bowl is 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 part of my plan. Um, but they got like fancy stuff. Listen to this. Where are you going to get this? Truffle butter filet mignon. I mean, seriously? From 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 a, a box? Pre-prepared? All I got in two minutes? I'm eating filet mignon? That sounds delicious. Yeah, it sounds delicious. And you can give these a try. And it's not just these meals. We're talking pancakes smoothies they got some great wellness shots that are surprisingly delicious and the meals you just eat and eat there's no prepping cooking or cleanup get as much as you need by choosing your meals every week you're going to get exactly what you want no surprises here uh and the meals i can say are delicious so what do you got to lose head on over to factormeals.com sawbones50 and use code Sawbones50 to get 50% off that's code Sawbones50 at factormeals.com sawbones50 to get 50% off. Sydney, you know how you're always saying that you'd like to build a Justin McRoy fan site full of all your favorite quotes, clips, videos, and hunky pictures of beloved podcaster Justin McRoy? I don't remember. Well, there's that- no need to wait any longer, Sydney, because Squarespace is going to make it easier than you could possibly believe to make a website uh, all about your favorite hunky podcasting superstar i don't think i was going squarespace to... what is it it's a tool think of it as the palette the palette of a web design artist but you don't have to be a web design artist you could just take stuff off the palette that is created by real people that know what they're really doing and put it from the palette onto the easel the metaphor is broken down basically you're going to be able to create great looking websites that have fantastic customer support and help you unlock your creativity and do whatever you want to with your small business or podcaster obsession. You can sell products. You can uh, post your videos. You can share your stories about how Justin has shaped your life and is also a fantastic father. Folks, you got to stop waiting to make your Justin McElroy fan site. Go to squarespace.com sawbones for a free trial. And when you're ready to launch your Justin McElroy fan site, Use offer code SAWBONES to save 10% off your first purchase of a website or domain. It got to another place, though, that it took big, like, like had a big medicinal footprint was in China. In the late 1800s, it became, it, it, they started to grow it in China. And obviously, there was already a very heavy tea drinking, you know, culture in China. But uh, coffee began to be used in the traditional Chinese medicine system because it is, it is an herb, so to speak, and it uh, it is an herb, and it 
began to be used as various things, um, especially for like your liver. That was the biggest use of coffee in the traditional med Chinese medical system was to kind of cleanse and purify your liver and allow things to flow through it better. Uh, that and then specifically your gallbladder. It was thought that coffee could prevent gallstones, so that was a good reason to drink it. Uh, it was also thought to fight constipation. Yeah. <laughs> Which, again, we're, now we're on the right side. Um, and, and again, they noticed that it was good for a diuretic. Uh, now, the one thing that was noticed that, that it was a, they thought it was a tonic for the spleen, but this was like a point of contention because it was, a mu it was much better purifying the liver than it was at being a tonic for the spleen. So it could like cleanse and clean out your liver and allow all this stuff to flow from your liver through your, to your spleen was the way their, this was their understanding of how everything moved. And then it would get to the spleen, but it wasn't as strong a tonic for your spleen, so your spleen couldn't handle it, and then your tummy would get upset. Which I think was the so way what do I do? If you drink a lot of coffee, your tummy gets upset. Oh, because of the spleen. Yes, but okay. no, but that was, the, that was kind of the theory on it. So you had to be very careful. You had to have a lot of, this was, this was you had to go to a practitioner and actually like find out how strong is your liver, <laughs> how strong is your spleen, how much tonic do I need, and how much do I need this detoxifying agent. I mean, it was, it was more complicated than just everybody drink coffee. Okay. Okay, so you're okay. ready. You I'm ready. You understand it now? I got it. Um, the thing that was, one thing that's really interesting about coffee, though, is at this point and, and prior to that in history, is that coffee, and to some extent you could make the same argument for tea and for chocolate, were really instrumental in helping to disrupt the humoral system of medicine. So at this point, it was very common to believe that our bodies have four humors. Black bile, yellow bile, phlegm, mm -hmm. and and blood. blood. Hey. <laughs> you listened to that episode. <laughs> I listened to all the episodes, Said I don't remember <laughs> all, but. So, the, so at that point, it was very common to just think if something was wrong, it was because your humors were out of balance and you needed to do something to rebalance them, whether that was uh, cut yourself and make, you know, lose some blood and then you could balance out by losing blood, or uh, take something that would make you pee a lot, or take something that would make you throw up. And um, the reason that coffee helped to disrupt this is that, uh, first of all, in, in the humoral system, foods were part of how you balanced out your different humors. So instead of going and being prescribed bloodletting or something that would make you throw up, they would prescribe you a certain food and say, you need to take this because it's a hot food and you have too much of a cold humor, or this is a dry food and you have too much of wet humors. And so it would balance it back out. Um, and the thing with coffee is that it kind of defied all these systems. You could make it taste different ways Though different ways you prepared it, different physicians would interpret it as a dry food or a wet food or a hot food or a cold food. Uh, so it, it kind of broke the system. And everybody who drank it had certain reactions to it. Everybody got like more awake. And that doesn't fit into the humoral system of medicine because it should be very specialized to what your body needs in any given moment. Um, and so it really started to disrupt the whole system of humors because, because it was used as a cure-all it's sort of like when I started playing baseball and football professionally. They were like, do we have, is he a baseball player? Is he a football player? Maybe he's just an athlete, you know? Maybe we're all just athletes. And I really knock, uh, knock down a lot of walls. Don't feel like I get enough credit for it. I just wanted to bring it up. Wait, now you're being recognized for it today, honey. <laughs> Please, please. It was a lie I made up. Please. I, I appreciate it, but you have to save your hands. You have a lot of clapping to do today. <laughs> uh, so, so it was really interesting because this, obviously, the four humor system is wrong. And so, you know, coffee kind of, even though the uses for it maybe weren't actually true, even all the, the different things that they were using it to cure, it didn't really cure. Uh, that kind of application of it as a cure-all is part of why we got rid of the humor system of medicine, which is interesting. Now, as I mentioned, since it is, it can be considered an herb, 
it was very much loved by the developing herbalist community kind of at this point in history, especially in the early 1800s. And so let's move back to the US to talk about that. Uh, Samuel Thompson was an early herbalist who uh, had a lot of followers in the early US and created kind of his own system, the Thompsonian system of medicine based on plant-based cures. <laughs> that some, some of these things worked. Okay. Some Go on. These things worked. Because uh, some of it was pulling from kind of folk knowledge, uh, people who lived in isolated communities in the U.S. who didn't have access to physicians, and so kind of had to figure things out. And some of the stuff worked, some of it obviously didn't. Um, but he was pulling from that base of knowledge to create, like, a system of medicine for the people. Um, and again, th there are pitfalls to that because none of it was being studied, none of it was really rigorously, you know, put to any scientific inquiry, but nothing was at this point, really. Yeah. Um, fun. It was a fun time. <laughs> Everybody was just having a lot of fun. And, uh, and one group that grew from this were the eclectics. And we, we've talked a little bit about eclectic medicine, I think, on the show before, but it, it grew out of this use of Samuel Thompson's mainly use of herbal medicines, except the eclectics kind of, they drew from that, and then they drew a lot from early physical therapy principles and created the, this branch of medicine called eclectic medicine. And there were over a dozen universities of eclectic medicine throughout the U.S. in the 1800s where you would be trained specifically in some of these like botanical and, and herbal medicine like traditions and then you would also learn these physical kind of maneuvers and this persisted until 1939 and it's a totally other system of medicine it's not it's not anything like what we teach today so there's like osteopathic allopathic and eclectic would that be like is it that different or yes yes it was a completely other school of medicine there were like and there were some that would be like the the new york school of medicine and then in parentheses like eclectic <laughs> like just in case though don't but sign up first come check us out before you figure it out <laughs> um and they they employed coffee in dozens of different ways some things that weren't revolutionary like i mentioned like heart failure the idea that it was a diuretic so it could be used for heart failure um it they they proposed that you know what i know throughout history we've had this argument is it good for diarrhea is it good for constipation we say it's good for both it, okay <laughs> well we'll just hedge right. our bets <laughs> Um, they would say specifically for headaches, but also for any unpleasant sense of fullness in your head. <laughs> drink, drink some coffee. Uh, if you have maybe some gangrene on your foot, you could just prepare a, a dressing out of the grounds. It's wild. Like, for that and the diary is like, it's when you have gangrene and you want to be awake for every second of it. <laughs> I don't want to miss a moment of this great gangrene. Uh, again, some of the things like malaria, um, it was uh, typhoid, it was prescribed for gout, rheumatoid arthritis, again for alcohol withdrawal, and, and for hangovers. I haven't mentioned that, but coffee was often prescribed for hangovers, which I think was just kind of like, this will perk you up. I mean, whatever. It works. Yeah. It's also um, a vasoconstrictor. Where are you going with this, honey? <laughs> it's good for headaches. It is used for headaches. Yes. Caffeine, caffeine. Yeah, yeah. And, you know, yeah, it's used for headaches. And it was back then, too. Um, depression, again, with the hysteria, which I, I say is fake, and I'm accepting that everybody knows that. Hysteria was this kind of catch-all diagnosis that traditionally was applied to women throughout history, basically because we weren't behaving in ways that men wanted us to for some reason. Some of these... <laughs> There, it probably uh, was used to cover up actual medical diagnoses that were left undiagnosed and untreated. And then sometimes it was like, my wife will not do the cooking. I think she's hysterical. <laughs> so that's, that's hysteria. I felt the need to clarify. Apologies to anyone who thought I may have stalled or become frozen during that segment. <laughs> I find that my best play is just to remain perfectly still. <laughs> There's very little I can add to discussions of, of hysteria. Um, so I just try to kind of stay calm and, and hang in there. Uh, you, you see this persistence of its use um, in relation to the menstrual cycle or, or people with periods. So it was used for both amenorrhea, which means not having a period when we would expect you to, 
and it was used for having too many periods or too heavy periods. So any, anything having to do with periods, <laughs> basically. Just coffee, coffee up, yeah. Yeah, so, and also it was prescribed sometime for postpartum bleeding. So if someone has had a baby and there's a lot of bleeding afterwards, give them a cup of coffee. Um, <laughs> again, for respiratory problems like asthma, um, hiccups, sure. Hey, aren't we reaching? <laughs> Why not? They'll go away anyway. Aren't we reaching a certain point in history, though, where if you're like, you should try coffee, the person would be like, yeah, no joke, like every day, right? Well, don't we all drink coffee all the time every day? <laughs> um, kidney stones, something called renal... Torpor. You got more, huh, Smurl? I got more. Okay. Renal torpor, which meant like you're not peeing enough, so. I mean, okay, in a very literal sense, yes. Drinking additional liquid will help with that. And then, and then this one, which I'm, I'm not also, sure. Also, uh, Nestle Quick. <laughs> I got one more. Anemic condition of the brain. I'm not sure what that was used to reference. I know what anemia is. I know what a brain is. I don't know how to put that together into an anemic condition of the brain specifically. <laughs> but yeah, you don't have enough blood in your brain, I guess. That seems really bad. <laughs> um, <laughs> that, can, that can, sometimes we call that a stroke. <laughs> so- You doctors and your fancy terminology. <laughs> Now, when we think about the use of coffee as medicine, one thing that I immediately thought as I was putting this show together, I know I've got to talk about, I know I've got to look into, is why people give themselves coffee enemas. Um, when did that start? If you're not aware, that's a thing. So that's step one. <laughs> um, if you are aware, you probably, like me, have always kind of known, like, somebody does that. I don't know why. <laughs> Who came up with that idea? It's... A, it's for first rule coffee enema, and I think we all know, make sure everybody's done drinking coffee first. <laughs> you don't want to take the last of the coffee, and somebody's got to make a whole other pot because you wanted to put the coffee in your butt. <laughs> it's so rude. It and it's a rule two, obviously, you gotta let it cool off. <laughs> okay. You just made a face that makes you me joke. very excited for the next 30 <laughs> seconds of my life. You joke about that. <laughs> Indeed, and I shall continue to. Go on. Coffee enemas date back to 1917. Uh, and it was introduced at this point. And Everybody just made a reaction. Like, what year would have been cool? <laughs> 1917? Ew. I, I assumed it was something that came out of the 70s. Yeah, that I don't does know why. right. But that was actually when it started to lose popularity. Now, people still do this today. This is still something... Some of you may be doing it right now. Yes. <laughs> if you're really good at retaining it, you could be. I don't know. <laughs> I'm just saying. <laughs> that would, that's a special skill, I imagine. <laughs> These people paid money <laughs> to be here. They woke up at, at, they came here at 10 in the morning and you're doing this to them. That's, they, they, they knew what they were in for. You, you all knew. <laughs> yeah. Fair. So, <laughs> so the reason it got really popular is that it actually became kind of linked with a certain regimen for cancer treatment which of course is not true. <laughs> now let me preface with that. It does not do anything to cure cancer. But this is why it took hold so strongly for a while, is it was developed by Max Gerson, who was a German physician who came to the US and he, he had a lot of different ideas about the way that we could use nutrition and medicine better, which is totally fair. We could. We could do a lot more with advising people with how they eat and not use, I don't mean using food as medicine as much as a healthy diet that would promote better health. And that was a lot of what he focused on, except for then, of course, we, we kind of go on this, we go, we take this curve and he starts to develop this dietary based treatment for cancer. Uh, so these are people who have already, this is not to prevent, these are people who have already been diagnosed with cancer and instead of going to another traditional practitioner, he says, come to me and I will tell you about this, this diet. It's largely like a, basically 
like a vegan diet that you should go on. Low sodium, um, take these organic juice, like supplements I've developed and things, and you have to take like tablespoons of them every couple hours, that kind of thing. And then up to six times a day, give yourself an enema with coffee, castor oil, or if you're really feeling it, hydrogen peroxide. <laughs> to people but with, definitely the coffee. To people with cancer. Yes. Max, if you're here, um, it'd be great if you came up on stage so I could ask your permission to spin kick you in the face. <laughs> and the, the basis of this is that he actually believed that most enemas just go through the large intestine, through the colon, and then they come back out. That's the idea, they come back out. Um, but he didn't think that was true with coffee enemas. His belief was that a coffee enema had the ability to travel all the way through the large intestine, and then through your small intestine, and all the way up to the liver, and clean out the liver. I don't, they don't do that, but that was what he thought they did. And so once they got there, he thought it would stimulate the liver to help detoxify the body, clear the liver of, clear the body of toxins. And There's another route to the liver, cancer. right? Yes. <laughs> He'd go like the expressway. Why is he taking the back roads? <laughs> so if you read a lot of kind of modern recommendations and like regimens of coffee enemas, it's based on this guy's theories. Now, they have, it has changed over time. Like a lot of people will tell you, six is a lot. <laughs> so that's a lot of enemas in a day. Um, we recommend four. <laughs> Much more manageable. That seems like a better, a better regimen of enemas. Now I've got time to go to the grocery store. <laughs> Thanks. There, there are also, I, I read, I was reading all these like, here's how to do your own DIY coffee enemas. And they were like. <laughs> how about N-O-T? <laughs> Make sure that you use a darker roast. <laughs> Which nobody, nobody could give me a really good reason. Like there were a lot of kind of like. Uh, Just the tannins. <laughs> traditional kind of medical like or I don't know, like folklore kind of reasons why, but there was no real good medical reason why the darker roast. No, just make sure you use a darker roast. Uh, they don't recommend a specific brand of coffee as far as I can tell. So I guess Folgers is fine. <laughs> Whatever you've got at home. Uh, you can, you, the, the original recipe, so to speak, for these enemas was like three to four tablespoons of coffee in the water, and now they say, mm, now listen, you're gonna wanna start out with two, and you might make it up to four, and then there are some people who can use up to six, but start with two and see how you do with that. Um, and then, like I said, only do about four a day. Uh, and, and if you're, I'm kinda taking for granted everybody knows how, like how- You put it. coffee in your butt, right? <laughs> with a tube? Yeah. Yeah, and you somebody, take a tube. You fill and you the, the two up, somebody blows on the other end. No, 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 no. That not, how does it get in there then? You just. Hook up to a vacuum? Well, I mean, you. Like, once it gets past the sphincter, like, it's like a gravity. Like, you just. Like, you lay on your back and you lift the bag. Who lifts the bag? I mean. A close, dear friend. A close friend. Or yourself. Or a particularly well trained dog. You can do these on your own. I mean, people do enemas at home. Usually not coffee, but... But who lifts the back? Well, I mean, honey, you can. You have hands. They're not busy. I'm on the ground. I'm on the floor face down with my eyes closed and probably a white noise oh. machine running or something with, like, candles, like, anything. Like, reruns of Arrow on TV. I'm, like, sitting just trying to focus on very loud. Whisk me away, Stephen Amell. I'm putting coffee in my butthole. <laughs> Act like it's obvious how I'm gonna do this coffee enema. The, the all fours position is popular among some, but most prefer laying on their back. Wait a minute. Okay, you may be a doctor, but I know where my butt is. That, that dog won't hunt. Oh, it, okay. 
Do I need to draw you a diagram? It's going to get, there's a high probability of kinking. With the system you've described, the, the tube's going to kink. Then what? Then what's your grand plan? I don't even think you thought through how you're going to get me this coffee out of my Sydney. <laughs> I don't think we've been married long enough for that. <laughs> there may be someday, but I don't know. Now, so wait, I'm on my back. <laughs> okay, hold on. Actually, we're, we're here. Okay, hold on. We're... Okay, so I'm on my back like this. So where is the tube? Do you understand the problem? Come over to, here. You kind of need to lift. Just come lift over. Lift just come leg. over here. They can't two-shot us, so you gotta. You should bring your microphone for the podcast. Okay. I did not predict this. Okay. <laughs> Lift your legs. Like, okay. grab them. Like this. Like really. Oh, like there's really no way. Unless back. it takes like 10 seconds, there's no way I'm sustaining <laughs> that. For like I'm not in enough discomfort. I'm going to raise my legs. I'm going to do yoga. What are you talking Pull about? Pull them back. <laughs> okay, so like this? Yeah. Okay. <laughs> Wait, do I have to? Okay. Are you, now, who's holding my legs oh, up? Am on. I having to, I'm going to get a cramp. You're just in that position. How long? The bag, and the bag's here. Is the bag hanging off my feet? I mean, if you want I bet I could know. do that. I bet I could put a pipe in between them yeah. and hang the bag off of it. Yeah. Then it's a balance exercise, too. I do that in Taekwondo sometimes. There you go. Now, how it long am I... It take a long time. Like, how... Like, it just goes in. It's, uh, here's a, it's already been too long, so unless it's about this long. And once it's all in, like, you... You lie here for, I'm assuming, a good amount of time. No, no. Because the last thing we want is to, for all that to be not. <laughs> once it's all in, then you just... You can take the tube out, and you got to hold it. So how long? 15 to 20 minutes. Oh, my God. So I, I clench up. Yeah. Now, very carefully. Very careful. It's recommended that you put down some towels. <laughs> no kidding. That sounds like an amateur move. I'm a professional coffee putter in my butt. <laughs> I don't need towels. Lay down a napkin like you get on an airplane. I'm, that's plenty for me. And then, and then you could either have, sometimes you could have like a bedpan, or you could go to the bathroom. Or I could go to the bathroom for what? I don't want any of that good stuff out. Do you know how much work it was to get it in? No. Well, I mean, you have to expel it. Nobody said anything to me about expelling it. This is the first I've heard. Well, honey, things eventually come out there. That's true, but I thought my body would absorb it because it needed it so bad. What? <laughs> it's absorbing all the good coffee stuff. And then... And then you let it go. Let, let it go. It go. <laughs> Okay. Thank you for helping me understand. That's much easier to visualize now. And probably for you too, and I'm sorry. You got it now? I got it. Okay. So, why do people do this? Good question. So, the idea now is still based on this, this idea that we're detoxifying ourselves, which... <laughs> No. Your liver does that for you. Your kidneys help with that. You don't need to do this to detoxify yourself or any of the things that detox. Or anything, anything. You have organs for that. Yeah, we have, we have organs that are really good at detoxifying us. But it does that. Um, that's the idea. That's what they think it does. Uh, it's supposed to help eliminate any parasites that might be creeping around in there that you don't know about. Um, I, by, like, mechanical means, I think. It just flushes them back out. Um, it's supposed to get rid of a lot of kind of generalized symptoms. Like, I keep seeing it mentioned as any type of pain. So any pain. So that's nice. Um, and, and then everything from, like, arthritis it's used for, or, like I said, there are still people who recommend it for cancer. You can still find these Gerson Institutes, I, not in the U.S., I think they have been banned he here. But you can still find them other places recommending these treatments for cancer specifically. Um, and then at the same time, it's supposed to help with other things more generally if, if you're not using them. Even people who say this doesn't help with cancer, this will help with things like um, tension or depression. Absolutely not. 
That one I can guarantee. That it's supposed to increase your like your energy and your mental clarity and that kind of thing. So like stuff that you would associate with coffee if you just drank it. I know some people hate the flavor of coffee, but like you gotta really hate the flavor of coffee to to stoop to this. Well, one thing that I saw specifically is increases joy and happiness and reduces anger. <laughs> also untrue. Now, why shouldn't you do this? <laughs> well, there. <laughs> I mean, there are lots of reasons, but there are side effects that are very serious if, you, if this goes wrong. Uh, if you, um, let's say that as you're introducing the, sometimes they have little plastic tips on the end of the enema tube that are not very soft. And if you puncture something, that's very bad. So like perforation has occurred, infections, people have become septic from this. You can cause severe electrolyte imbalances from doing this, especially very frequently. Uh, you can get low, low sodium or low potassium. Your electrolytes can get all out of whack, which will make you feel really bad and sometimes make your heart beat wrong and then you can die. It, I, I'm not a very religious person, but I'm assuming that like, can you imagine a higher power of any sort stumbling upon you in the middle of this procedure? And they're like, you got it. <laughs> I made the coffee and I made you and I made plastic tubes and I didn't think you were going to figure it out. But that's exactly, that's exactly it. I thought you all were going to be thrown off by the roasting. Yeah, you almost tricked me. I thought we did. Yeah. I thought we were going to fool you with the roasting and grinding and the brewing it. But this is... Exactly what I intended. <laughs> Thank you for finding my grand design. <laughs> Probably not. There, there have been cases of burns from people who did not cool the coffee prior to using it as an enema. Um, and then <laughs> there have good. been... Good. <laughs> no. <laughs> no. What? Not good. Not good. Not good. There have... <laughs> Now you're going to feel bad when I say this next thing. There have been three deaths that have been in, in part attributed to the use of too many coffee enemas. So. Uh, this is my warning. Don't do this. <laughs> you're good. You're being very serious now. So, so that's, my, that's my plea. Please do not give yourself coffee enemas. <laughs> uh, I don't know that they do anything. I'm so glad no we got to you in time you. before you... <laughs> Started putting coffee These in your butt. These are very popular. You would be surprised in certain circles. Oh, I'm not. It's I, 2017. You aren't going to surprise me. I have not. <laughs> I have not looked, but but I have done a lot of research. Probably best not to watch. I've done a lot of research on goop in the past. Uh, Gwyneth Paltrow's lifestyle and medical website. Oh, I just assumed that was a byproduct of the coffee animus. No. <laughs> It's not that far off, honestly, if you read Goop. I feel like this is something she's probably tried in the past. This is all a guess. I don't know that to be true. But I feel like if I looked, I'd find Seems it. Seems goopy. Um, I, have, I have one more interesting note about coffee before we finish. Okay. Um, did, I had never heard of civic coffee. Have you heard of civic coffee? Uh, no. So Taylor, my sister, actually mentioned this. And, and I thought she was making it up and messing with me. <laughs> she wasn't. And then my dad said, no, I heard that's true. And then I thought, well, they're, they're, now they're definitely making it up. <laughs> um, but I read about it. So civic coffee is a specific, it's not a type of coffee. It is a process <laughs> of coffee uh, where the civet, which is an, an animal, a small animal, eats coffee berries and then poops out these like, like, lumps of partially digested coffee beans. They're like in a big, it's like a collection of them. <laughs> um, and it is used to, the, these, these partially digest, because they're partially fermented is the reason they're thought to be good for you, because fermentation is associated with health in a lot of um, kind of alternative medicine circles. So they're, they're partially fermented beans and they're used to brew coffee, which is the world's most expensive coffee. 100 bucks a cup, I just heard. Uh, and it is, like I said, it's not any specific kind of bean or anything. It's just the process of 
being digested partially through a civet that makes it so expensive. Um, that This was kind of accidentally found by people in Sumatra and Java who were like collecting these beans because it was all they had access to because they were selling everything else so that, you know, we could drink it. Uh, but that was part of why, you know, like the... It was like the Dutch India Tea Company saw them using them and trading them and said, oh, hey, we're going we're gonna to sell those and tell everybody that they're really great for you and that they're very expensive. And now the unfortunate part is that there are like farms of civets where they try to force feed them these berries, yeah, to collect their poop oh, didn't and make them into coffee. <laughs> um, and then to make it worse, they've done tests to see, is this coffee better? Do you know people who test coffee are called cuppers? <laughs> no. <laughs> I didn't mean to be doing that. <laughs> um, what, were they what were you holding it there in your mind's eye? Two cups of coffee in my mind. <laughs> you were weighing between them. One of these is more delicious. Uh, and cuppers say that it's not only is it not better, it's actually worse than most coffees. That is that according to coffee experts, I don't know, um, because I guess it, it has a less body and less flavor because it's partially digested by an animal. So there's... But well, what's it like in my butt? <laughs> uh, in case you're wondering, is coffee good for you? It feels like every couple years we come out with a new study that says yes or no. Um, and we all keep drinking it because we're addicted to it. So I don't think it really... <laughs> It's not going to change anything, right? Like, why do we keep doing this? We're all going to keep drinking it. We're all addicted now. But uh, there was, if this comforts you, there have been a couple large studies that have been um, published in the New England Journal of Medicine in 2012, and then one just this year that said that there is, not only is there no increased, increased risk of mortality with coffee drinking, there's actually a decreased risk of mortality associated yeah! with coffee drinking. Drink so, enough of it, you'll never die. So cur currently, we think it's fine. <laughs> we may change our minds in five years. I can't guarantee that. But currently, we think coffee is A-OK. -okay. All right. All right. Radical. In your mouth. <laughs> Again, that's so important. And that goes for, just assume we're saying in your mouth for pretty much any pill that we're talking about here, unless otherwise directed. <coughs> Excuse me. Uh... That is going to do it for us. Thank you so much uh, to you for watching. Thank you to uh, PodCon for having us here. This has been so much fun. We've had such yeah, a great weekend. thank you. This has been wonderful. Thank you all for coming. Thank you to the taxpayers for the use of their song, Medicines, as the intro and outro of our program. We're part of a network called Maximum Fun. There's a lot of great shows that you can check out on that network, MaximumFun.org. And uh, is there anything else? No? I don't think so. Thank, Thank you all. Thanks for coming. Uh, but that is going to do it for us for this week. So until next time, my name is Justin McElroy. And I'm Sydney McElroy. And as always, don't drill a hole in your head. Wow.